Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Oh, that with an iron pen and lead they were engraved in the rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. Those are verses 23 to 27 of the 19th chapter of Job. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding, and I'm your host, John Green. Thanks for being along with me today. We are uh, continuing our look at the, the sort of the historical setting of the Incarnation. So what was the world, particularly the Jewish world, what did it look like when Jesus came into it? And, and so what we've done is we've, we've kind of looked at its setting within, Roman, within the Roman Empire, the, the various um, issues that related to the religious life of the Jews by looking at the priests and the Levites and, and the, uh, the rabbis and those groups of people. And so we can understand the historical setting a little bit better. Um, to, to understand these things. And so, so what we're going to do the rest of the next three days, four days really, is we're going to look at four different groups of people that we meet in the Gospels. They were all important in some way or another within Judaism. So today we're going to start with the Sadducees. And the Sadducees wouldn't have liked what Job had to say there because they didn't believe in the resurrection. And, and Job is clearly saying, I wish that all the arguments that I'm making were written down and, and could be held forever because ultimately there will be a time when I'm vindicated. So he, he's expecting that vindication ultimately to happen. And, and they didn't believe that. That they, they didn't concern themselves with those kinds of things. They didn't believe in things like resurrection. They didn't believe in a world to come. They didn't believe in, um, in, in a way that, that God and mankind inhabited same spheres. They didn't believe in, in things like angels. If you can't see them, they don't exist. They believed in God because they believed that they could see from the things that were created that somebody created it. But they accepted the evidence only of their eyes. So they, they were not big into apocalyptic literature. In fact, they didn't care for Daniel because Daniel talked about a time to come. Anything that suggests a world to come, they don't want any part of. That They don't want anything to do with it at all. And so there's a distinction between them and the Pharisees, and the enmity between them was real, and it carried on for a long time. Now, there's two things to know about the Sadducees right off the bat. The first is they didn't leave any of their own writings. So the only thing we know about the Sadducees are things that are written about them by other people, including the Gospels, <clears throat> including the Pharisees, including in the Talmud. So we, we see it there in the argumentation that plays out there. So that's all we know about the Sadducees. They don't have defenders writing about them. And the, the second thing to know is after the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem in 70 AD, they disappear from the scene. We don't hear about them anymore. So there's only a season of time when they actually exist. So, so know those things right off the bat. And now let's go ahead and talk more about who they are and what they are. They, they only appear about 150 years prior to the time of Jesus. So they're only a couple hundred years is all they really exist. And we don't really understand and know what the name means. We're pretty sure that it relates to um, the, the Jewish word, the Hebrew word, sadiq, which means righteous. But we don't know how. It's too close uh, linguistically not to relate to that, but nobody knows exactly how. There's a lot of speculation on how, but it's not worth getting into any of it because it's just speculation, literally. So most 
of the things that are written about him assume, take for granted, actually, that they, um, the chief priests and the other leaders of Judaism were Sadducees. And there's ample information to believe that. So that the chief priests and the other leaders, so many, some that are in the Sanhedrin, for instance, the great, um, what do you call it, the great deliberative body that, that kind of, when they came together, they would meet and they would talk about the Jewish law and they would divide the law. They, they were the judges. So there's, there's 70 people in the Sanhedrin, and, and some of those would have been the Sadducees because they were wealthy people. And they were important people in Judaism, particularly. So it, Josephus doesn't say that, but he does say that those priests who were Sadducees came from the governing class. They were generally the party of wealthy aristocrats. And, and Josephus again says they weren't actually able to persuade with their with their um, testimony and their interpretations. They weren't able to persuade anybody other than the rich. So they had a smallish constituency as compared to the Pharisees. And Jesus would have been sort of less a threat to them in some ways, except for not that he would take people away from him and followers away from him, but that he would cause problems with Rome, and Rome would take away their place. That would have made a difference. They would have been persecuted along with other Jews, and they would have lost everything they had worked for and everything they considered to be important. So all the priests, though, were not Sadducees. And we know in Acts 23, for instance, um, Sadducees and Pharisees both made up the Sanhedrin, and we know it because Paul uses that to divide the Sanhedrin so that he can avoid being um, tried there. He, he appeals to the resurrection, and he appeals to his, his upbringing as a Pharisee in order to divide that council. <clears throat> The Sadducees, the, the biggest problem that, that it created for them, that, that the people were behind the Pharisees, was is that they had to often bend when they didn't want to bend because, well, they, they didn't want to upset the people. And so they didn't believe in the oral law. They didn't believe in any of that. They only believed in the stuff that was in the Bible. That was it. So they, they didn't want to give in to oral tradition about customs and all that, but they didn't have any choice. They had no choice because the people were behind the Pharisees, and, and they were afraid of upsetting everything. So they did their work quietly and behind the scenes. It's sort of like how it works in American politics today. There, there, you know, There's big money that actually controls everything, although it doesn't do it out in the open for people like me to see. They do it behind closed doors. And they shape everything that way. And that's exactly what the Sadducees did. Now, the thing that not to believe about the Sadducees is that they were in any way liberal. They were not, actually. They were very conservative. They, they restricted authority to the written law interpreted literally. And they weren't really open to change. No, it's plain was their idea. So the, the, then there's a debate because of that over what did they actually believe because occasionally they, they will say things that, that only the, the, the Torah is all that matters, the five books of Moses. And, and you can see that a little bit. It's not true, by the way. That, that's not the only thing they received as Scripture. Obviously not because there's other locations for this. But when Jesus argued with them, he always only argued from the Torah whenever he spoke to the Sadducees. They, they, in other places, it's told that they were being attacked from other books of the Bible, and they used them themselves in their own arguments. So it's not that they rejected those things, but Jesus restricted his arguments with the Sadducees to only matters that were in Moses' law in the first five books. 
So they, they had their own halakha, which are interpretations of the commandments, but they didn't claim that it was divinely authoritative like the Pharisees did for their interpretations. That's the main difference. They, they recognized, no, these are logically derived because they're legitimately reasonable. The Pharisees claimed that there was divine authority for their interpretations. And so they thought that that things should be modified by logic, especially in matters of doctrine, so they would have been open to philosophical arguments, but not Hellenizing arguments. They wouldn't have been open to arguments from Greek philosophy, for instance. That They believed in the power of logic, the brain to work things out, not a philosophy. They just believed that things were logical, that because they believed that God was logical. And then that tells you something about who the Sadducees are. They believe in in things that can be seen, things that can be touched, and things that can be directly known, not indirectly known, not not by revelation. Nope, that's that's in a different realm, and and I'm not going down that road. And so they would have been. Um, I'm not sure how to say this very well because I'm not even gonna. I'm not gonna go where I was gonna go. That they, they it's a very heady interpretation for them it's not there's there's little gray area for them because everything can be interpreted in certain ways and the some of that i'm going to show you one particular instance here in a few minutes that that i that i actually would stand with them on and you'll see why you can't call them liberal that they're actually conservative so one of the big things that Josephus says, the three main sects of Judaism which would be the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Essenes who are not really named in, in the New Testament, you, you're going to see there's three major differences between those three people. The Essenes are an apocalyptic group. We're going to talk about them one day, but they're an apocalyptic group that stands on the fringe uh, of Judaism. They are a separatist movement. They believe that everything inside Judaism, including the Pharisees and the Sadducees, were hopelessly corrupt and that the priesthood itself was hopelessly corrupt. And so they came out and formed another group in the wilderness, and that their expectation was the Messiah would come, and he would take them and start all over again with those people, because they were the only ones who had truly kept the law. In that way, they're in some ways similar to the Samaritans, except the Samaritans only had the five books of Moses, and the Essenes had lots and lots of things. That's where the Dead Sea Scrolls come from. So you can find the book of Enoch, First Enoch out there and, and other apocalyptic literature that's not in the Bible, but it, but it was clearly studied by and relied upon by biblical authors, including New Testament authors and Jesus. So they had that stuff out there, and so in some ways— that they might be the Jews some of us might feel most connected with, but because they thought the others had been corrupted. So anyway, th- that's a little bit about the Essenes. We'll talk about them more later. What they believed was that that human will was, was an illusion, that what happens to us is what God determined would happen to us. We're just actors playing parts. Uh, the Pharisees tried to combine determinism and free will together, and the Sadducees believed that all human affairs resulted from human freedom and that, and that God didn't get involved. They would be more deists in that regard, just in that regard. It, but it, but you could, they, they cared about the law and keeping the law, but, but they also believed that it was a matter of human freedom. And so they believed that if you gritted your teeth hard enough, then you could get through this stuff. 
you could keep the law, whether your heart was in it or not, but it was important to keep the law because if you did, God was, God was de- determined and, and bound by his own word to bless you if you did those things. So they didn't believe in God's apocalyptic intervention in history at all. They saw everything pretty much under human control in this realm. And then Josephus says that they deny the resurrection, the immortality of the soul, eternal rewards, or the world to come. We, it Sanhedrin, tract, one of the tractates in the Mishnah is, is called Sanhedrin, right? So, so, so a, one part of that records the general belief that all Israel has a portion in the world to come. However, then it lists those who do not. And the Sadducees are listed there because they don't believe in it. So you don't get to participate in something you don't believe in. The doctrine of the resurrection was was most clearly taught in Daniel, and so they didn't they they considered that to be an apocalyptic work, and therefore that couldn't be relied upon for anything like doctrine at all. They see God and humankind as completely different. God God made the world, but He stands apart from the world. All the rewards for righteousness are in this life, so they they their wealth was evidence of God's blessing. You hear that sometimes in Christianity today. And I don't mean the, the magazine. I mean, in Christianity at this time, you can get that bad teaching, that Sadducean teaching that teaches you to pursue your best life now, that, that teaches you to pursue wealth in this world, that, that determines that, that this name-it-claim-it theology, it's word-faith theology. If I speak it, God's bound to do it. It's a lie. It's a lie. There's no other way for me to be able to say that. It, it's interesting the, the way that they're sort of dealt with in the Mishnah. Now, and this is 200 years later, after the Sadducees are gone from the scene. There, they're listed with the those who are ignorant of the law, the deaf, mute, imbeciles, and minors, because they wouldn't admit to the legality of the ruling about the Arab. And I told you a minute ago that I was going to point you to one particular place where, where you can get a flavor for how they interpret things and how literally they interpret it. But I believe in this case, th- they nailed it. I believe they're the ones who are in the right about this. So there's a there's the in the law. There's a tradition that said that carrying is forbidden on the Sabbath, specifically transferring between domains. So that's one of the 39 categories of activity that's prohibited on the Sabbath. So you, first thing you've got to figure out is what's a domain and what's carrying. So it, it has to weigh a certain amount. That's, that's the carrying part. What, what does something weigh? It, do you have something in your hands, a burden in your hands? Could be a baby, by the way. So it, it, it could be a baby. A baby would qualify as carrying. So there's a private domain like a house. There's a public domain like a very busy road. There's a semi-public domain, which is most other places. And then there's a neutral domain. That's like the flat space on the top of a pole. So let's just push that one out to the side. Nobody's going to carry anything up to the flat space on the top of a pole. Unless you were certain forms of early ascetic Christians who sat on top of flagpoles, or or not flagpoles, but poles. Look up a guy named Simeon Stylites sometime, S-I-M-E-O-N-S-T-Y-L-I-T-E-S, weird dude. Um, But there's some very strange things that these ascetics would ascend up onto these poles, and they would sit there to separate themselves from the world. 
kind of makes a mess in the hash of their understanding of the incarnation. But then they would make themselves available for people to send messages up to them, and they would make um, judgments for them. Anyway, that that's a complete sidebar. But look up Simeon Stylites because you'll appreciate it. So the private domain, okay, it's a house, right? And and to to go from one private domain to another is carrying between domains. Carrying it across the street is changing domains as well. So <clears throat> what an Arab is, in my mind, is a is sort of a way of getting around the law. It's a way of avoiding the stricture of the law and coming up with another idea. So what you do in an Arab is you merge different domains. You can put a fence around it. There were some people who said that Jeremiah said that it was illegal to carry a burden into the city of Jerusalem on a Sabbath. So what did they say? It's okay then. You can carry things around inside the city and not break the law. Because it sounded like Jeremiah just extended this whole thing. And because there's a, a, a wall around the city of Jerusalem, you can carry things within that. It would be determined to be an Eruv, E-R-U-V. So that 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 is the, that you create an era of still happens today, by the way, there there's a uh, there are debates constantly in New York about it. Does this qualify as an era of because along the way they've come up and decided, OK, so what is a public domain? What is that road that qualifies? Well, it has to be 16 cubits wide to start with. OK, so the most strict interpretation is it has to be 16 cubits wide. Well, a cubit is about 18 inches, so a foot and a half, so you're talking about 24 to 25 feet because a cubit isn't always standard. It's not always 18 inches. Sometimes it's a little bit, bit, little bit bigger than that. So now you've got 24 feet. Okay, so that's the most strict interpretation. And then there's another interpretation, the more lenient one, says, okay, it's, it, it's got to be 16 cubits. So if you meet that standard, okay, that's one check mark. And the second check mark is fewer than 600,000 people a day can pass through there. Well, holy moly, that doesn't apply very many places, does it? In in New York, it does. And so in New York, they can argue about whether or not that thing's going to qualify as an Arab. Most likely, any place that was marked off as an Arab, and you've got to have, <coughs> there are certain things you have to do to make an Arab and to make it legal, Jewish legal, not, not legal legal. Um, so anyway, within Judaism, to make things legal, there are certain things you have to do to demarcate that space. It's not that you can't come and go in and out of it, it but it's, it's got to be marked in certain kinds of ways. And so what you do is, is then you look and you go, well, 600,000 people a day may pass through their, you know, Sunday through Friday, but on Shabbat, that doesn't happen. So it qualifies, right? On Shabbat, the only time that it really actually matters because you're going to carry things. But, but yeah, if, so if your mother, for instance, if your parents lived across the street from you, it would be under Jewish law, without the Arab, it would be wrong, a Sabbath violation, to carry that your child over to see your parents. You wouldn't be able to do that. So if the child was sick and you felt like they could help, if there's a doctor in that place, then, then this makes it possible for you to get care for your child. It makes possible all kinds of things. But the Sadducees saw for what it was. That's a workaround. I get every year at... at um, Passover, you know, they get, get to get rid of their hummets, their, the, the yeast that's in their homes. Well, I, every year I get all kinds of emails that offer to sell me yeast. It, does that mean they're going to ship it to me? No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that at all. What it means is, is they're going to take it and they're, there's a little place in the house that's set aside 
that that's that's John's yeast. It's here in our house, but that's John's. And then after Passover, the idea is I just give it back to them and they keep the money. So you can there's all kinds of ways around things, right? I mean, they're they're always kind of looking for these ways around things. If there's there's a deal that you can only carry something so far on the Sabbath, so what do you do? Well, from one residence to another. So what you do is you take your suitcase and you put it that distance. And you've established a residence there or a bed or whatever. That's mine. So I can go from here to here. That, that allows me then to go that same distance beyond that. So the, the Pharisees would, would say okay to those things while the Sadducees would say no. So they're not liberal by any stretch of the imagination. But they're an important party in Judaism. They're an they're important part of everything. But later, in, in, they're, they're despised, even more despised because now I can speak against them because they don't exist anymore. So another tractate in in the Talmud says that the daughter of a Sadducee is equal to a Cuthite or a Samaritan woman because they were lax in the purity laws. They kept the other laws. They didn't worry about those purity laws. And so they were grouped together with Samaritans and the sectarians. Well, that's us. So we're all outside the fold of Judaism. And that's where the Sadducees ultimately fit. But at the time of Jesus, they were really important because they controlled the high priesthood. And so they were very important players in the Sanhedrin. And we're going to talk about the Sanhedrin here in a couple of days. But, but I wanted to give you an insight into who the Sadducees were, because probably the only thing you really knew about them before was that they were those people who didn't believe in the resurrection. Now you know a little bit more about them, too.